10 o'clock. I'll tell you, a um, little bit less refined chappy at 10 o'clock. Uh, a little bit more. Let's just have some fun and, and talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. Um, the other angle, Thursday nights at 10, Chappie and RC. My friend, RC, how are you doing? I'm good, bud. How are you? <laughs> Great, man. Great. I'll tell you, we got the pool up this week, and um, I've spent a lot of time with uh, some water in the water, and uh, I, I've worked on my tan quite a bit, so I, I'm looking forward to um, to doing that the rest of the summer. Nice. That is, uh, you know, where you live at, you get a little bit of a, uh, a real summer in Indiana. It gets, it gets, it may not be the Alabama, Georgia hot, but you get some heat that way come this time of year. Let, let me tell you, I haven't really talked about this a whole lot. I went to the Reds game, um, two weeks ago in Cincinnati against San Diego. Yes. And it was so humid. I mean, it, it was one of those nights, Randall, where you could feel it in the air and you knew it was going to rain at some point. And right. it rained on the way up just a little bit, and then it was just thick. I say that because when we talk about understanding environments, I'm talking about the Reds ballpark in particular. It's a small park to begin with. Yes. But when you add that humidity and heat that the summer brings in, it just makes it that much more of a hitter-friendly park. Randall, we saw three homers in the first three innings, five in the first four. I think it was a ridiculous – it was so much fun to watch. And then in the sixth inning, it opened up and just – <laughs> but it was a good time. I'd say it's the first baseball game I've been to in two years. The uh, that was probably really neat to get out and be around folks again. Yeah, and, and taking my nephew is really cool. He's uh he's getting ready to go to Ohio State next year. Really smart kid. He wants to be an engineer. Um, and, and you know, just talking with him, he's not a baseball. Uh, he he did grow up with the game, so he had a lot of really good, insightful questions. And, and, and it's just really neat to teach that to someone who's willing to accept it. So really just wanted to take a second and reflect on that. Great American Ballpark. Have you been there, Randall? I was there once, uh, probably within the first year of it opening. Uh, I want to say it might not have been the first year, probably the second year. Uh, but it's a nice trip for me. I'd yeah. like to go back again. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, it's really easy. It's a little over two hours here, and, um, you know, it, in and out. I did it one night, went to work the next day, a little bit tired, but, man, what a great time. And, you know, it's just great to see live baseball. And the Reds got a really good product they're putting on the field. We saw Vladimir um, Gutierrez pitch. He did a really – I'd say – the first, as soon as the third time through the order came up, he got in trouble. But the first two times through the order, he looked like a really good pitcher. He outpitched Musgrove. There is a ton, a ton. I am not sure the Reds don't have this, a top three uh, upper farm system right now. They're that much talent down there. They've got the yeah. That's a good the way you said it. I agree with. They, they've got. Um, They've got guys on the doorstep, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of pitchers 
that that's the thing, you know, um, you know, we're not talking about guys like Santian and, you know, there's other people, you know, Gutierrez is someone that, you know, Lodolo's playing in the, uh, playing in the futures game. I look for him to come up late July, early August. Um, who knows what happens with Hunter Green? This could be a really potent team. They're just treading water right now. You could tell. And, and you know, uh, we still got Nick down here on the farm with us. So I, I, you think yeah, they also have a shortstop, and I don't have his name off the top of my head. Oh, is it Rojas? Is that what it Rojas. is? Yeah. He, he's like their fourth prospect. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, he jumps off the page like a top 50 prospect. Yeah. I think he's still a little young to be at double A, and uh, he may be a year away from hitting the real prospect rankings, but he plays, plays hard, Chappie. That's what I always notice about him. You know, the, the player, I mentioned it at, at 8 o'clock that I just want to talk about it a little bit more. Um, when you think about Tyler Stevenson, um, I, I really think that he's being underappreciated in what he's doing. Uh, he, he's sitting in the middle of that lineup when he plays. He's playing behind a Hall of Famer and a gold glove catcher. Yeah. That's that's okay. And, and, and he's too young and too talented to go shopping around right now. I mean, he's he's not that guy. He's not the, the Travis Donardo that the Braves could cut at 34 years old, go get a middle reliever for or something. What what I'm saying to you is he's like the centerpiece of that future. Yeah, I think so. Offensively, especially. I mean, Jonathan Indy is great. And, you know, you look at Winker and you look at, uh, you know, some of those other guys uh, that they brought up and that they've developed and that are playing and producing at the major league level. There's a handful of them. Stevenson could be better than them all. He he reminds me a lot of a Votto-type guy coming up where he's going to be your three, four, five hitter for the next five, six years. Right. And it's just whether he does it catcher at first base. And the Reds are in a situation where they don't have to rush anybody. They can be patient. You know, that's a, that's a huge difference. They can let him be catcher slash first baseman right now. Right. That, that piece works itself out in a year or two. I mean, how many more years does Votto have at best? Maybe a year, two, two tops maybe? He's playing some of he's playing some of his best ball right now. Since he came back from injury, he's playing some of his best ball right would, now. Would Cincinnati move him to the American League where he could just no, yeah. no, he's not leaving Cincinnati. And you know what? That's okay. I'll tell you what would be interesting. I think Stevenson's a little big to play in the outfield. But did you see where Josh Bell is snagging balls in right field? I did. <laughs> I, I, you know, you think of a guy like uh, Joey Gallo. Big guys can play in the outfield, right? You can put them in right field, and if you got big arms, they can get by with, let's just call it mediocre athleticism. Well, I, I go back to, and, and a lot of folks don't remember this name, but I'm going to throw a name out that's going to, a 6'5", 235-pound outfielder that came up as a catcher that won two MVPs for the Braves who was just a big guy who could still play outfield was Dale Murphy. 
You know, oh. you, could, you know, Dale Murphy was built like a tight end. Dave Winfield, 6'6", 250. Andre Dawson. Uh, Andre Dawson. You can find that exceptional athlete. and it, Well, and you don't even have to be an exceptional athlete. Andre Dawson probably had later in his career the one of the worst coverages that I've seen, but he was still effective because how many times did you see him throw people out at bases? That arm, that arm was, was so impressive. He didn't and, have to be a speedster. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, um, Joey Gallo to me is the one that you point at in the current day and age, and you say, here's a guy, he's a gold glover. I mean, you're talking about a guy who plays all three outfield positions, does it well, and he doesn't get really the credit for it. Everybody wants to talk about the homers he is. Joey Gallo is a really balanced, all-around good player, and he gets overlooked defensively. These guys could end up being that. with a, It's hard work going out to the outfield. I've yeah. done it. Not at that level, obviously, but it's, you know, it's an adjustment. But if this kid has a middle-of-the-order type of bat, you find a place for him. And I feel like we forget about Mike Trout being 6'2", 220, 210. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just really forget it. And maybe the best outfielder of the previous generation, Jim Edmonds, was a 6'1", 6'2", guy that could just go pick it, you know? So, yeah, you're, you're very valid. Joel Gallo and those guys are a little different. They're not the mobile Darren Airstead that used to play football, but they 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 have enough to play outfield. They're not going to hurt you more than they help you at the plate. I'll put it that way. So let, let's talk a little bit about the All Star break. Yes, sir. I got to touch on it today, but I didn't get to get into it really deep, right? I, I guess what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the All Star Game holistically versus? I, I, let me put in this perspective versus the festivities around it, right? So, like the NBA, you got the you got the game, and then you got the slam dunk and the three point. What do you think about the MLB All Star Game versus the the Futures Game and the Home Run Derby and the you know all the other things that go with it? the other things are better. Yes. And and I really think them trying to make the All-Star game count has hurt the game. I, I used yeah. to love to watch the All-Star game, even though Reggie Jackson may have only played three innings. Those guys played to win. And now you're just – I almost feel like they're out there doing their, hey, I'm going to get my two at bat and I'm going to – I'm telling you, I, I really felt – My like bonus – my bonus that I earned. That's what they're out there for. Yeah, That's what it feels absolutely. like. Um, and, and, you know, there's also – I'm not the – I vote in the All-Star. And if you don't, shame on you because it's one of the fun things to do. Right. I vote in the All-Star validating every year. But my favorite player in the whole world, you know who he is, does not start deserve to be starting at first base for the National League with the first half he's had. Now – is Freddie getting awarded for his season last year and the MVP and the fact that he's Freddie freaking Freeman? Absolutely. But has Freddie had the best half of a season for a National League first baseman? No, absolutely not. Um, I also like it when we get to see 
I'm looking really forward to – I hope Jacob DeCrom – I don't know his rotation. But I really want to see Jacob DeCrom get a full – face nine guys, a full one turn through the rotation. Just I, don't think he's, I don't think he's pitching. I, it's what I was afraid of. Yeah, I don't think he's pitching. I think he said he wanted to stay home. I think – I might be wrong on that. I, I, yeah, I, I – and that's the thing, right? I, like – these matchups. It's so different because when we were younger, you, you tuned in because you didn't get to see Shohei Otani or you didn't get to see, you know, uh, these players that are on playing in the other league. And, and But now you see everybody all the time. And I love that. I'm not saying that in a negative light. It's taking some of the luster out of the game. What, what I look forward to in these games now is the matchups. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <coughs> I remember getting to see Randy <coughs> pitch in the all-star game. And, you know, yep. TV was limited back then. Right. And seeing Randy Johnson pick it, pitch in the all-star game may have been the first time I ever seen him got to play uh, any level. Um, Ken Griffey Jr., I'm pretty sure the first time I saw him play was an all-star game. Um, I remember seeing a matchup of Jeff Bagwell – Versus Roger Clemens, two kind of Texas guys. Yeah, you know, I, and you, I miss that. You know, you, you things you never saw. Uh, you would see Reggie Jackson hit against the National League guys. You know, it, it was fun. Yeah. Now, the home run derby. I'm, I'm sorry if you don't like the home run derby out there. I, I, I may not watch a single inning of the All Star game. Right. But I will watch every pitch pitch by pitch of the home run derby. Yeah. And I love it. And I generally watch quite a bit of the futures game. Yeah. Mainly because I'm trying to figure out uh, who I'm going to draft in our fantasy draft <laughs> next week. I have a pretty good idea who I'm taking it for if he's there. So Yeah, I get pick one. So we'll, Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think you're going my way, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I haven't honestly I, I honestly haven't looked at who I'm going to take. Um I got some ideas, but uh, I you know, um, I, I, I'll tell you. So I'm with you. I, I I'll watch some of the All Star Game, but the Home Run Derby is just you know. I went back and because I went to the 1994 Home Run Derby, I talked about it a little bit or at a, and it was really cool. It, you know, it was Old River Stadium, so it, it's just a very different time, right? Yeah. But I remembered, and I had to go back and check on it. I remember someone hit it up in the literal upper deck at Old Three River Stadium. It's crazy. Like people, younger people don't understand the literal upper deck. It was a 514 foot shot. But I couldn't. Remember. I thought it was Bagwell who did it, but it wasn't. It was Frank Thomas. Awesome. Yes, a Our- young Frank Thomas at that. Yeah. Well, and this year's bit bittersweet for me because oh, I love it. Yeah, no, I, I, I had I had tickets for the All Star Game and some right. activities, uh, and we we do a great job avoiding politics, and we're not going to talk about that now. But um, I, I'm bittersweet too that it's in Colorado, but for the home run derby, right? Man, we might see some record numbers through up. Uh, I was excited to see it in Truist, but. I'm thinking in Colorado, the hardball, the way these guys are swinging, we might just get a show. Oh, I think – and you, so the players involved. 
I, I talked about it earlier. Shohei, Vladimir, Olsen, Gallo. Soto's your eighth seed. I, you're talking about players. I, I I cannot wait to see Shohei Otani in course field for the sole purpose of hitting home runs. That's going to be fun. And, and, and Guerrero, I mean, Shohei Guerrero and Gallo, that is like must-see TV. I don't care if you don't even like baseball. That's going to be entertaining. And do you know, uh, I, I'm – I'm a big softy at heart. I cried a good movie. I, 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 you know, I watch the kids part play in the park, and tears will come in my eyes. I will be on my couch, screaming my head off for Trey Mancini. I just want to see him advance after the story, and uh, that may be, that would be one of those. They'll make a movie about it if somehow he pulls it off. You know. Um, I also think Matt Olson's got a shot at this thing. Totally. I talked about that. Yeah. I, and I, I say that just because he's such an easy swing. Yeah. And it's very repeatable for him. But I, again, if I were, if I were betting odds, I'd probably bet Olson. But if you're betting smart money, it's gotta be Shohei Otani. Yeah. I, I think there'll be some, um, odds posted on that right at game. I mean, as we get close. Yeah, seems like last year it was there. I, I haven't looked honestly. I haven't looked either, but that's that's something. I, last year I got on a thing they had on. Uh, I think it was DraftKings where you could pick what the next swing was, home run or out. Oh and really? I, I, oh god, I got addicted to it. I was playing five dollars. <laughs> I looked down and I was up eighty five, and then I was down fifty, and then I was up seventy five. <laughs> it, it was. I was, I was just like, I got to stop. I put my phone down. So That's so funny. But it's, so, it's fun, man. And, you know, baseball, I know your love for baseball. And um, I'm trying. I really – I got burnt out on baseball. But this is the time of year, even when I was not a fan as much of the game, that I would sit down and watch that home run dub in the Futures game. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. So, I don't know how much you've looked at the Futures game. At all? I've not looked at the lineup other than uh, I heard you earlier talking about how loaded it was. And I don't want to steal your thunder because I was like, oh, yeah, he's talking. Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, I know, yeah. Who, that, yeah, I know who that is. So, so the names I'm most looking forward to seeing that I haven't really – you know I do a lot of research on, on my – that I haven't got a chance to put my eyes personally on yet. Marco Luciano. We love him. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking earlier, and of course I don't have it up for me. I think he's playing in a league where he's like three years younger than his competition. Um, when I, I, dra- I drafted in our league, he was 19. Yeah. I, I I I am you know I am intrigued to see what happens, how quickly they bring him up, 
Sorry, my computer is giving me fits there. Um, because he kind of reminds me of the same type of profile, not having seen him again as a Wander Franco, as a Vlad Jr., who, who are just a cuss. He's two years younger than the competition. Who's just a accustomed to playing against more mature competition, and he's going to actually come into his own at the major league level. Yeah, you got to think that twenty three is probably the ceiling for him. I mean, I really, as many twenty year olds as we've had to come into major leagues and succeed, uh, I don't. I would think twenty three is the ceiling. I read that little report that the minor prospect site sends out and they have it, have him listed as 22 being up in the year 22. And it seems awful fast for me because last year he played at rookie league this year. I think he's playing at a high A. He's at high A. Yeah. And, you know, and you got to give him a full year between double and triple A, don't you? No, you don't think so? No, here's, here's the plight of Luciano in my opinion. So, so first off, he's got 14 homers in 52 games this year. Now, I get it. He's just a single A. And he's not he's not portrayed for anybody in our league, by the way. <laughs> so, so, I look for him to go up to double A after the All-Star break. Really? Now, that, that probably would. And, and that's what they said uh, in the little blurb that if he gets to double A in 21 – you will probably see him at the majors after All-Star break 22. So That's what I'm thinking. Super 2 with the earliest next year. I, and we're talking about – but we're talking about a guy here who is going to be the number one overall prospect. I'm thinking the end of this year. That's, That's I, where he's trending to. And all, all this is great for me. I love it. Uh, no, I knew you'd like that. And, you know, it's it just goes to show you when you're looking at these, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring this up. I'm going to talk, too, about this other guy in a, in a second. How quickly these things change. Yeah. And, and paying attention real time at the minors. You know, you can go into baseball reference. And look at any of these minor league guys' statistics. Yeah. It tells you their age differential on the players that they're playing in the league. It's important to know that stuff. I, the reason uh, – and I took Bobby Witt number with my first-round pick, if we were, if I'm remembering. Yep, you're right. And then on the way back, I took Luciana with my second-round pick, which my little cheat sheet, sheet had him nowhere near that in value. But I kept looking down, and it said 18 years old, going to be playing 19. Play, and, you know, and I just I, – I agree with you. I guess I really didn't do it the way you're talking about it, but in my head, I, I did because the age that he was at that level, I was thinking in my head when I drafted him, most kids are in high school still, the American kids. The kids that's getting drafted this year I think are the same age for the most part as him. So he's got what a two year start mm -hmm. on everyone. So that's incredible. And, and 
he's succeeded in doing it. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, his batting average is a little low, but but again, 14 homers in 52 games, 263 batting average. Uh, you know, you're looking at on-base percentage of 358, Randall. Right. He's taken 27 walks as a 19-year-old. Yeah, it, and again, it wouldn't know Randall great revelation, but a little bit of luck, <laughs> a little bit of I'm going to draft a kid that's younger than his level. That that can also burn you. So I felt good about doing it because of Bobby Witt was my first round. They're both profile as shortstops, but I still think Witt moves in the majors at some point. So, so you know, you know me. You know I just set you up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when we're talking age differential, what if I told you Riley Green is playing in a league where he's four years younger than the average age? That says a lot. What if I told you in this league where he's four years younger than his colleagues, he's hitting 275, he's got a 366 on base percentage, and he's got nine homers to go with 10 stolen bases in 43 games. Excuse me, 52 games. It sounds like uh, he is on pace to, uh, well, so where's he at? Double A? Yeah, Erie. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. So here's a kid. If you remember last year, he almost made the big league team out of high school. Yeah, yeah, he did. And they sent him back down, and it was the right thing to do. But he's always been well above his competition. Even in rookie ball, as an 18-year-old, he was a year and a half younger than his competition. Mm. So it's one of those things where I don't think he has much left to prove. He's at double A. I think we see Riley Green for September college. So you're talking about you're talking about you're talking about it, 52 games in a 30-30 guy potentially at 275. He's doing that at 20 years old. Yeah. Skip college was committed to Florida, right? Yeah, I'm just looking at what he's done here, Chappy. I pulled it up and I'm just like mm-hmm. You know what they call him at Torkelson? What's that? The Bash Brothers. They're both on the same team at Erie. I know the Tigers spent near six and a half million to get him signed. And uh, it looks like it's paying off. It's funny because when you take a high school kid, you it, it is a little bit more of a risk. But this kid has been impressive from the get-go. He's one of those guys that should have had his growth stunted with COVID last year. Right. And it has not happened. 
Yeah, we forget that outside of really inter squad games was about all he got of action. Yeah. That's a good point. Didn't think uh, every now and then you hit one off the tee, and I didn't even thought of it. That's a good point right there, buddy. So when you think about it, when you think about a guy like Riley Green, I don't know where I don't know where hold on, I'm gonna look at MLB pipeline. Because He's up there. He's up there in the top 100. I think he's a top 10, top 15. Uh, he's there. I- I'm trying to get it right now. Um, But it's hard to think when you're rated that highly that you're still underrated. I guess is the point I'm really trying to drill down to. I feel like Green is still being underrated because of Spencer Torkelson, because of Casey Mize. Riley Green's 21. Tariq Skubel, Matt Mann. These guys are generally more spoken about than what Riley Green is. Granted. Spencer Torkelson, you know, what, number one or two pick. Casey Mize was the first overall pick. Green Green could be better than all those guys. They have the list I'm looking at has him at 15. Okay, this is from January, so you're probably more accurate. <clears throat> so I, 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 I'm interested to see what this kid does against the league competition. And maybe we went on a little longer than than necessary, but the point is. When you get a guy like Riley Green and you get to see him go up against a Nick Lodolo or a Ronzi Contreras or Quinn Prister, you're getting all-star game type matchups two or three years before they are going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's cool about this game. Hmm. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah. So some other names. How about Yolkuli Cespedes? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, just read a blurb about him tonight, uh, and it and it's a name that I haven't seen a lot. So that's kind of a a new name to my radar. So it's his. I don't have it from me. It's it's. Yoannis's nephew. Right. He just came over from Cuba this last international signing, but he is um, a little bit older. I think he's 21 or 22. I think he has a pretty fast path to Chicago. I don't think it happens this year. Yeah. Um, from what I read, it's next year. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's. And a lot of times those things are pretty accurate if you get into reading them. Uh, they have him listed as the pros- number prospect two in the so- Sox organization. He's 23. Thank you. Um, they yeah, say there's I, some swing and miss to him. Yeah. ETA t- opening the season 2022. Yeah. I here Here's my point, 
and this is a perfect pivot point. So sometimes I do this by design. <laughs> sometimes I don't. And, and I, I guess I want to bring up trade partners. And I look at the White Sox major league team. First point, how flipping loaded are they? Very. You have guys like Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, and Jake Berger, who are hitters. All three of those guys are hitters. Just seeping their way up. Uh, let me give you a name. Sebi Zavala. You talked about Grandal, them missing them. Him. Yep. Sebi Zavala is a good catcher. And he's got more stick than people realize. Collins and Zavala are going to be a good one-two punch for them. Are they more desperate for an outfielder than they are a catcher? I don't know who – I'm not going to answer your question. Okay. I don't know who the more complete team is. Okay. Houston or Chicago? Good argument there. Um, if, if Chicago was a little more healthy, I feel like we'd know that answer. But – they're, when it matters, they're going to be. They're so far up in the standings now. Yeah. They're going to get him and us back. They're going to get Grandall back. They're going to get Robert back. You have the luxury, if you're the White Sox, let these guys play. So the one name I heard, I read, I Googled preparing for the show, that I heard connected with the White Sox was Adam Duvall. Oh. Which would make sense. He's a good pinch hitter, you know, could spot start in the outfield, not on a ridiculous contract. And I don't think you have to sell the world to get him from Miami either. But, you know, uh, but eventually when everyone gets healthy uh, in the playoffs, he's what he was for the Braves two years ago, a hitter off the bench in a lot of situations. The perfect trade partner for me and you, you, you kind of tease me there. Is that Frazier? Uh, he was uh, among – yes, I, I'm with you. He, he's – because, you know, like you said, um, off air, Magical's done for the year. Yeah, he is. They need a second base. And Frazier can play a little outfield too if needed. In a, in a pinch, but he would be their everyday second baseman, and I feel like he could hit leadoff for them effectively. So – you know what you have. What what do you have to give up to the Pirates to get Adam Frazier? Now, first thing, everybody, all these Pirates haters, Pirates fans love to hate them, their their own team. I don't know why. There and, and I get it. There was a lot of bad trades made, but you're talking about a new regime. Ben Sherrington's done a pretty good job with the guys he's brought in. What does it take for Ben Sherrington to give up his? most prized possession right now from a trade perspective in Adam Frazier. It takes a, to me, I don't think you go get a top five prospect, but you get a, um, just looking at the list of who they kicked around, uh, Blake 
Rutherford is kind of a borderline top 10 prospect in our organization. I don't know if that is somebody – does that help – does does that make the Pittsburgh family feel good if you come away with a triple-A-ish major league not superstar prospect for Frazier? I, th- I think you have to get production. So, so here's what a trade would look like for me as a – as a kid who grew up 90 minutes south of Pittsburgh. All right, hit me with it. I need one of these three players. I need Gavin Sheets, I need Andrew Vaughn, or I need Jake Berger. I need one of those three players to start. I, I'm so reluctant to give up Andrew Vaughn, but, I mean, I'm with you. Do I you don't think- need Andrew Vaughn. He's one of the three. I need one of those three guys. And then – Because those are all three major league hitters. They right. could help the Pirates right now. Right. And That's then, player one. Right. The second player is, like you said, a Blake Rutherford type. I right. don't have a list in front of me. I'm not going to get into that much detail on it. But I want a pitcher who, much like they got with um, Contreras and the kid they got for Malone, I think is his name, the, the – Prister's the other uh, prep arm they got in the same class as Prister. I think it's Malone. It doesn't matter. A a, a lower tier, high end pitcher. Follow you, and, and, I, and I, I want a catcher. You want? I want three players for Duvall. Okay. And they don't have to be that super high end guy, but I want one of those three guys that can come back and sit at first base for me for the rest of the year. And any of those three players can. And the way you balance those kind of deals too, if you give up more up front, like you do give away for Vaughn, you probably give less up in prospects. But if you go with one of the lesser MLB, you you might have to step up and give a Blake Rutherford or, or another guy. Right, right. Well, and you know, I mean, the Pirates also have the luxury of throwing in a, whatever, you know, a major league ready type of player. Well, um, or a, or what everybody needs come playoff. Middle of relief. I'm sure yeah. there's somebody yeah. in that bullpen that can help. Yeah. Chicago so, in playoffs. so, you know, I mean, to me, it, it's, it's interesting because I think there's a clear cut two teams right now who are better than the rest. And I think they're both in the American League. I think it's the White Sox and the Astros. Yeah, um, I think I think you're probably where I'd, I. Uh, me and my boy Ray Ray picked it the other night, and I picked the White Sox to win the World Series. So yeah, Houston kinda, though, boy, I'll tell you what, buddy, I, I I get to watch a lot of Houston. I get a lot of get to watch a lot of the White Sox too, but Houston is just are playing well. I mean, yeah. yeah. And they're they're doing so, you know, with without with with Tucker not performing that great, with um, you know, um, shoot the Jordan Alvarez hasn't done that much yet. Uh, he just feel like he's getting healthy now. Yes, yes. They're they're gonna be. I tell you, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve are 
really good ball players. And that's another situation. You want to talk about Bregman coming back. How about the job Abraham Toro and uh, Miles Straw have done for them while they've gone through these injuries? It's been really impressive to watch those kids come in and produce. Yeah, I agree. And, and the other name I jotted down, and Chappie, before, before we get off of trades, does San Francisco need to go get a bat really bad? No, it's funny. I started – I ran out of time. Everybody has Joey Gallo going to San Diego. Right. It makes more sense in San Francisco. He looks like a giant. Yeah. He's, he's defensively superb. That bat in that stadium plays. Maybe he can't play center field in that park. But he can play left and right, so the versatility is still there. The other guy that I thought about that really made a whole lot of sense in San Francisco, Trevor Story. Yeah, I, and I, I did see some small blurbs on Trevor Story uh, and some interest, it seemed like, from the Giants. It, it's interdivision, so that makes it a little weird, right? But mm-hmm. it could work. It could work. I'd say – if I'm any competent major league team, I'm going out and I'm throwing every garbage trade I can to the Pirates, and I'm throwing every garbage can I can tr- I can trade I can to the uh, Rockies, and I'll just I want to see if they're still willing to take my crap. Right. Pittsburgh, I think, has moved past that some. I don't know that Colorado has. That trade they got. They gave away Arenado. Sipper's been decent. Don't get me wrong. But it's Nolan Arenado. You need to get more. Absolutely. For that player. Absolutely. Uh, You know, uh, and and you feel like they're going to let a couple other players go. I mean, I do. Um, The one other team I want to ask you about, and we'll get off this subject, but I have them on my list. Yeah. What does the A's are on such a restricted budget? Could they create a trade, rent a player for August, September? I mean, I mean, I don't think that they could go get a salary and take it on for a year and a half, even. But maybe someone on a rent a deal, Chris Bryant or somebody that you know is leaving, and they could get them for for three months. So I, I don't know. If I'm the athletics, I am, first off, this is this is a tough sell, right? The, because there's some talent there. Absolutely. P- Pitching-wise, they've been let down. Right. I mean, you look at everybody that's talking about Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck, Frankie Montas, Sean Manea. They've largely – underperformed. So you look at a guy like a pitcher, right? Whether it's Charlie Morton from the Perfect. Perfect. When you bring in Charlie Morton, what are you going to get in return for? That's the million dollar question. I I can't think of a scenario where Oakland can kind of finagle prospects to get anybody desirable 
because their their minor league system is in such bad shape. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Now, good news. Elvis Andrews is starting it. Matt Chapman has to pick it up. Yeah. Ramon Laureano is one of the most underrated players in the major leagues. Uh, you took, I was going to say the most unheralded superstar in baseball. I think he's on that borderline lower level. I mean, if he was in New York or L.A., he, he would be a guy that was a, a well-known name. Yes. And, of course, everybody knows that at this point, Matt Olson. I don't know. If, you, if Oakland wants to succeed, they have to figure out how to fix Jesus Lazardo, Frankie right. Montas, those guys. Because you're not likely going to go out and get a Kyle Gibson or a top-end pitcher that's out there and available, right? Um, a Jose Barrios, someone like that. Is Kyle Gibson truly an elite pitcher that needs a place? Kyle Gibson needs to pitch in a pitcher's park. And he needs to pitch for someone. San Francisco is the perfect place for Kyle Gibson to go. He needs to go somewhere that thinks a little bit outside the box and how they treat their pitchers. Because he is extreme, he has been this year extremely effective, and I think he continues it if he goes to the right situation. He is the name listed with the Atlanta Braves more than anyone. I think that'd be good fit. I'll tell you another place I think that'd be good fit: the Los Angeles Dodgers, who suddenly needs pitching help. Exactly, exactly, and they have a history of working together. Right. You know, uh, so it's one of those things where he could yield a lot of capital. I say capital, I mean prospects. For someone you picked up relatively cheaply. Right. Uh, The names banded around with the Braves are not light-level prospects. They are – right. They got my attention when I went, oh, really? I mean, it wasn't Waters, but it was definitely that second-level prospect, two of them, that they would include for Gibson. Right. And I was like, wow, you know, that's that's a lot. He is one of – he's in this tier. He's top tier of gets at the deadline. So, to me, Gallo and Story are clearly heads and shoulders above everybody else. But then you start talking about Jose Barrios, Adam Frazier, Kyle Gibson, those types of players in that next category. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna demand a lot of capital. I got it. I'm, I'm with you. He's the one guy that's kind of a mystery to me. I don't know. Before we started doing this show, if Kyle Gibson was ever on my radar, so. He's been terrible. I mean, it, it's it's been amazing. What's it's not terrible? That's that's not fair. He's been inconsistent. 
Right. He's had flashes where he's been really good. He's had spreads where he's been really bad. Right. So somebody in that NL East has got to go spend some money. Uh, you know, it, it either the Nationals, the Braves, the Phillies, they're all just kind of meteoric that you feel like they could be so much better. So for the Braves, I think it's two pitchers. Uh, I'm not sure what it is for everyone else, but the Nationals being a seller at the deadline would just shock me. I, I don't see it happening. Not happening. But, but you know, the thing, the, the Nationals' problem is they're a lot like the Athletics in that they don't have a lot to offer from prospect perspective. There's not a whole lot there. Um, so it, it's going to be hard to go out and get a big-name guy to add to that. You know, it's funny. They were talking about Scherzer being, being gone. There's no way. Um <clears throat> you know, uh, what does that say to a guy like Juan Soto if you sell Max Scherzer? It doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I I think that the Nationals are one of those teams that they've done a good job of um, holding down the fort, if you will, without Strasburg there. Yeah. And they're still going to be tough in a short series with Corbin and, and, um, and Scherzer. But I think that changes things. The other part of it is their offense is a lot better this year. And I'm interested to see what happens. I, I think I think Josh Bell is a big part of this Nationals team in the second half. I think Josh Bell's getting ready to have a really good streak. Hey Dave, welcome. Yeah, what could they get for some? Uh, it's hard for me to even imagine that trade though, where serves or walks out of. There's no way it doesn't happen. It doesn't. It, the re, the return would have to be so great that it wouldn't make sense for the team to do. I I, I, I just don't see a scenario because, like you said. That whole NL East is so tight, and nobody's running away with it. Now, I mean, you've got basically four teams, four four and a half games out, and you feel like somebody could win that division. That's, I mean, that gets hot like they did, you know, for a month or so. Right. I was really struggling with their going in, and the Braves still have three more games with the Marlins. But, you know, the feeling is locally that they're going to be buyers of at least two pitchers. So, uh, we'll see. They should be. They should be. I hate to just throw in a season when you're actually in contention. And it feels – that would feel like – if they don't make a move, it just feels so like you're throwing away a season. So, Let let me say this. Kyle Muller is going to be part of that rotation the second half of the season. Yeah, I think a so. big part of it. Yeah, he's going to be a lot like Ian Anderson was last year for them. The Braves need that to happen. Yeah, and then a front end guy that can kind of, you know, they almost need someone to take Soroka's role. Jose Barrios, and if that's the guy, I'm all good. 
Jose Barrios makes a lot of sense here. He Look, here's the reason why I say for the Braves that makes a lot of sense. I talk about that June 21st, like distinct point in time where they start cracking down on sticky substances. Barrios has been and, – and, and I'll keep talking about that because I think that's important. Barrios has been the same pitcher before and after that. If you're a team that's going out and trying to make a good analytical decision, right? why would you go out, you know, just I'm not saying it's going to happen, and go get a Joe Musgrove whose ERA is up three points since this happened, or go out and get a Jose Barrios who's stayed exactly the same. Now, I'm not saying that Musgrove is going to get traded. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just using as an example a lot of these pitchers, when you look at the statistics – before and after that date and time, it's going to become more and more clear who's pitching clean and who isn't. You want to go after the guys that are pitching clean. The other reason burials make sense, I agree with that, is the Braves are notorious for wanting a second year available, and I think he's yeah. arbitration available. You're right. So they get to keep him yep. for 22, yeah. Right, yeah. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. It, it would be a big – get for him i mean that, that they're gonna have to get a lot in return to move off a guy like that yeah but i think the braves are in a position to do that it, it takes a, a elite prospect and probably two other players don't you think yes absolutely okay so if we can move on to football i just want to make one quick note of some minor league guys that we need to take note of. Can we do that? Yep, absolutely. And, and and I, you can tell I've not got to talk baseball in a while. I've been good with baseball all night. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, it's we'll get to we'll get to football guys. But this this is an interesting time of year, time of year. So, the first guy I want to talk about here. Did you see that Jaron Duran got left off the Olympic team? Yes. Thoughts on that? Surprised is was my first reaction. Second reaction? The Red Sox are going to bring him up before they plan on not. This was a move to get him to the majors faster. So um, I don't think it was talent or he couldn't help the Olympic team. I, I, they had to be something else behind the scene. So – <laughs> Best laid plans, right, Randall? Yeah. <clears throat> we talked about trying to um, talk about some football league winners. Yeah. Let's talk about some baseball league winners. <laughs> that uh, Jaron hey, Duran. We'll get football next week for you. Yeah, let's do that. We'll focus on football next week. Jaron Duran is a league winner. So he's going to hit a look. The Olympics are, are from Ju July 27th to August 3rd, I believe. Somewhere thereabouts. By them excluding him from being in the Olympics, that tells me he's going to be up before them. The okay. stolen bases are the thing. Yeah. The homers are nice, but the stolen bases are the thing. Durant kind of came out of nowhere. But this is a guy we need to be in tune on. Thoughts? Uh, we know the uh, mutual league we play in that I'm currently second in. Uh, 
that that I'm out searching for stolen bases as we speak. And uh, I, I really think you're right. My first gut reaction was no. Was the only reason they wouldn't make the Olympic team was the Red Sox stepped in and said, we're bringing them in July 15th or something. Um, and as you said at the beginning of the year when we started the podcast, stolen bases is the most overlooked category in fantasy sports. Right. I mean, it's just ridiculously overlooked. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think he's uh, – I think he could win you a league if you, if you need that right now. So here's what happens by bringing Jared Duran up. He plays center field every day. He hits leadoff. Arroyo plays second base. He's been great for them. Yes. Dave, I know that's one of your boys. He's had a great year. He deserves to play. Kike Hernandez then becomes the player as hot as he's been that you signed him to be. Your first baseman one day, your third baseman the next day, your left fielder the next day. That true utility player. It evens this Red Sox team, who, by the way, is pretty good to begin with. Right. Out. It gives them a speed guy, which they don't have. This might be one of the biggest additions at the trade deadline that they don't have to do anything to get. Right. And that's what we, as fans, often overlook is uh, the the addition to your lineup without having to make a move. Right. Because you know they're coming. Right. Um, and we're, we're the White Sox with, Jimenez tonight started his rehab. You know, he's probably a 30-day period from being back in the lineup. Hey, where could you go trade for a hitter like Jimenez? You can't. You just know he's going to be there. That's why the White Sox are so scary because they have four of them. Yeah, Eloy's great. But yeah. those – Berger and Sheets are the two that people don't know about that are middle of the lineup type of bats. Anyway, I reg- I digress. I, this one surprised me. And you know I've been talking about this guy since what? February. Vidal Bruhan gets the call up. Right. In the middle of the night. Right. He's hitting like 160 in the last month and a half and they call him up. Right. What the heck is that? I have no clue. And then he comes up, he gets a run, an RBI, and a stolen base. I don't know what to think of Ruhan. Uh, did he not go back down today? I did not see that. He may have. I think, and it's only for a short period of time. They may have sent him down so he can play during the All-Star break or something. But I'm almost... Oh, yeah, that's right. He is. He's on the Futures game. So um, he goes down for a day or two, and then he comes Just back. Just to play in that game. And uh, probably Jake Berger's doing the same thing, too, because I saw him on that list as well. So I, I I am interested to see what happens with Bruhan in the second half of the season. I still think that there's a ton of potential there. I He could be a league winner. I wonder what his role is with the Rays 
with all of a sudden three young middle infielders. Now I know they're going to play him. Thanks. I know. I know they're going to play him in the outfield, but he's a middle infielder. Right. Right. And let's not forget, he's not playing center field because Kiermaier is one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. So that means he's going to have to play left or right. Arizona is going to play somewhere. Could be tough for him to see the field. Okay. But his impact is non-negotiable. Every time he steps on the field, you know what you get. Exactly. One last minor league player that this is a this is an EFIS ball. Forget the curveballs, Randall. Did you see Sam Huff's 550 whatever feet home run that he hit? Yeah, I did. Um, boy, you've I, I it took my breath away. I mean, it was hit so far, and, and you know, Langoliers hit one. 470 and I was like oh it's a shot like I've never seen right 90 feet father I mean yeah I, they did that major league track of like if you could move it around stadiums and this thing is flying out of some major league stadiums you know I, I can't think of the last time I saw a ball fly out of a major league stadium let, let me tell you I, it, there's something about his swing that it's just, it's a little bit different. And I think he's going to hit for some average. I, now, he's never going to be a goal golf catcher. But I don't think he moves from that position. And I think you see him sooner rather than later in Texas. Yeah, and sure, size. That's what, every time I see him hit, it's the sure size of him swinging the bat that just, it's almost, I, I don't know if you remember uh, the Dave Kingman back in the day. This guy's six, I mean, and I, I looked Huff up, 6'5", 245. Yeah. When he swings the bat, it's like the most violent thing you've ever seen in your life, so. But it's fluid too, though. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just size and speed, and you know, it's not jerky. If he could hit two seventy, two sixty five, two sixty, he would play in the major leagues for the next twenty years. Well, I I think what you're looking at when you look at a guy like Sam Huff, right? You're looking at a cleanup there. You're looking at a guy who's going to be your DH when he doesn't catch. And you're looking at a guy who can hit 40 homers. Here, here's a name for you, a former Brave. And he can, he looks like Salta Lamacchia. Oh, he does, yes. Big, beefy. Now, Salta Lamacchia didn't never – it's not a fair comparison offensively. No. He but never. he's – He's just – Sal Perez. Yes. Right? Sal Perez is a big guy. He's got more talent than Sal Perez offensively. And Sal Perez is a good ball player offensively. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I tend to agree with you. He's one of those guys that I just like. You know how you become fans of certain people? Or just you like what Sam Huff is my guy. I mean, after he hits home run, I've, I've checked his stat line every day the last week. So I don't know why. I think I'm going to be a big Sam Huff card. Uh, I just said it, uh, a fan. I just bought a card offline the other night. Just, you know, just I, I, sometimes you just become fans of somebody. And uh, he's my guy, man. Yeah. No, and, and I'll tell you, you know, these are the types of players, all of these guys that I just mentioned, that can win you leagues. Absolutely. So if you're in a two-catch league and your second guy, say you have a William Contreras, and all of a sudden you have a spot you need to fill. Why not say Sam Huff's on the IL, by the way. Right. Because he played, he ended the year in the major leagues last year. Ah, yes. So, in my CBS league, I picked him up. I'm put him on my IL for when he gets called up. Not if, when he gets called up. Right. Right. Just, Man, Chappie, I have missed. I mean, we've been on a lot of football <laughs> talk lately. Yeah. We just needed to have a good. We, we, and it, we do format this, folks, and we had very little baseball in it, but tonight that's where it took us. That's what I love about this show. It can take us sometimes where we didn't tend to go to. I, I just, like, for me, and, you know, <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about the draft coming up this week. Yeah. Right? I mean, Be- Because there's some interesting things going on there as well. I'm, the Pirates seem to hold all the cards right now to what's going to happen. I keep hearing the California shortstop, but you know, you never know. Again, the pirates are going to take the right player for them. Everybody's going to call them cheap. Everybody's going to sit there and say that, you know, they made the bad decision. None of that matters. Because, because if you take that money that you save, by not going after a lighter, by not going after uh, a, the Davis kid from Louisville, by not going after some of these high-end players. And you invest it in your second, third, fourth-round picks, these high-end guys who people think are going to go to college, and you say, hey, I'm going to give you X plus 1.5 over what you're being right. offered to have you come, then, then it's a good move. It's, so we won't really know until picks two, three, four, five, what the pirate strategy is. If you remember, the Braves drafting Ian Anderson was a slot pick that they got a discount for. Okay, just because you get a discount on a guy because he wanted to play in Atlanta, right? It doesn't mean it's a bad deal. Yeah, right. I, there's all kinds of talk about uh, Atlanta with Bubba Chandler. The Clemson quarterback, and he's a, yeah, a kid, yeah. and that he would play for no one but Atlanta. But if Atlanta drafted him at 22, he would come, and he's a top 10 talent. Right. You use those things to your advantage. Right. Uh, Jeff Francoeur, Brian McCann, they all were the Atlanta guys that took underrate to, to sign, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you um, that's smart baseball. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I mean, it could be. That's the right way to do it. Yes. But what you do with it 
means everything. And you've said it a million times on here. Pitching is much harder to. Uh, it's it just seems it's more of a mystery at at that draft level, you know. Listen, but that's the one thing Sherrington's done. He's brought in pitching. Look at Contreras. Look at um, you know, Prister was in there again. The the other, I, I, I'm sorry to keep saying, I'm gonna look it up. They've brought in pitching. Yeah, they needed to now backfill with those talent spots. They need a shortstop. They 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 need a def- Hudson set Hudson Head's gonna be their guy, right? Right. But you you need power hitters. Nick Gonzalez is a middle infield guy, right? Right. Um, Brennan Malone. I was right. Brennan Malone's the other kid. I, I think Nick, Nick Gonzalez profiled. He's a special player. He's yeah. a special player. So the, the pieces are there. To me, this draft, after that first pick, I think you need to go get college-ready players after that. Right. And if the Pirates do that, they'll be okay. Right. It's going to be interesting locally for me to see where Carmara Rocker and Jack Lider fall to because those are both players you're not getting a single you're not getting a single penny discount on them. Right. You no. Know, so it'll be very interesting um, to me too. And I'm. It's becoming the Major League Baseball and college football have a interesting relationship in that. A lot of leverage giving these high school baseball prospect is by signing a college scholarship. So I expect yeah. three or four high-end, four-star, four five-star kind of guys to be drafted uh, early that have signed football scholarships to be drug away from the football because you're going to have to you're going to have to slot them and pay them to get them away from a Clemson or an Alabama or. But I mean, they're there, and they're. Uh, I, I know there's one at LSU that's a high school phenom baseball player that signed as a quarterback, I believe it is. So we'll see. I always enjoy the baseball draft. You learn a lot about baseball. Yeah. yeah. If you and, watch and the- so, so you know, I always, I pride myself on knowing these players. Um, and, and in all honesty, you know, I, I haven't done as much studying on it this year. I've got a couple of other things going. Yeah, saw you first show. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, to me, it seems like just – just so, so there's five guys that are pretty much penciled in in that first five, to me. Yeah. Right? And then after that, it starts to open up. And, and maybe you could throw Rocker in as a sixth. But you got the, the catcher from Louisville. You got the three shortstops. And you got Lyon. Yeah. I just don't know. When you look at these players, I don't think there's enough out there to differentiate these three shortstops. Randall Scott. I'll make my point, though. Jack Leiter's 
Jack Leiter is differentiated. He, he's all automatically in a group above the rest of the guys in this top tier. Henry Davis is getting a lot of publicity. Mid sentence and got kicked off. Yeah. I, I agree with you. The three shortstops, according to MLB, were as close to rated prospects as they've seen. Right. It, it, at the same position, there is a lot, and I mean a lot of talk locally that Lider is going with pick two to the Rangers, yeah, but we'll I see. Think so, too. so I'll get to my point what I wanted to ask. Okay. And I'll give you the names. The three shortstops, House, Lawler, and um, and Meyer, the guy that's supposed to go number one. You got Lider, and you got Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville. Yes. Who's the mark? Who's the what? Sorry. The mark. The mark. One of these things is not like the others. Who's the guy that flops here out of this top five? I don't know. I I, I, I don't know how to define it, but I have some concerns with the catcher from Louisville for some Thank reason. Thank you. Thank you. I just he kind of came out of a meteoroiker, or uh, uh, yeah, I, that's the one. That's the one that I'm most fearful of. Here's what scares me about Henry Davis. I listen to what they say when they're scouting him. They talk about his defensive approach. I don't give a flip about his defensive approach. Let's listen to Harold Runners the other day talking about him right. and about his throwing motion and how he was the most consistent thrower down to second base, yada, yada, yada. While they're doing that, Randall, they're, they're showing him throw down there and they're one hopping. And they're like, I'm thinking, you're talking about that. That's the best footage you can give me. Yeah. I. Just don't see where, even last year or year before last, when you had Rutschman and you had Langoliers. Langoliers is an offensive catcher at the major league level. Yeah, yeah. he's great defensively. And I know we talk about him all the time. That's fine. I don't see that out of Henry Davis. Now, he's more athletic than those guys. He's quicker behind the plate. I keep hearing him with Boston, too, and I don't think Boston. Man, I, I put a lot of faith in the Red Sox organization. I really don't think they end up taking him. I think he slides a little below that. Um, when you saw the video of Langoliers and Rutschman, uh, there wasn't no need to look very far to find. Nope. I mean, you didn't have to look for that. Yeah. Sometimes the hot and, – and what got me about – what got me was just the fact that Davis went from being off the radar to a top five pick in about a half of a baseball season. Yeah. I've known who the rest of these guys are for a long time. Um, I don't know. I, I expect him to slide. I, I, I kind of think I'm kind of locked in. I almost said it tonight. Every mock I've seen has had – uh, Meyer to the Pirates, and I think that's where they end up taking. Yeah, I mean, a, a left-handed hit and shortstop. What more can yeah. you ask for? Yeah. 
But I mean, again, you know, I think all of those guys, Lawler and uh, House as well, I think all of those guys end up being pretty good ball players at the major league level. I'm gonna throw a lot of I'm gonna throw a lot of mojo on Mr. Meyer right now. Probably uh, the Pittsburgh Pirate organization, which which is I didn't, uh, and he's a little bit small at this point. But when I watched the one film that's on Perfect Game of him playing. He reminded me a lot of this kid from Florida named Larry Wayne Jipper Jones. And it just, he kind of jumped at me like, wow, that may be young. That looks like young Jipper Jones because he was a shortstop, similar size, similar swing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I've, maybe I've read it all wrong. If I was a better scout, I'd make money in the major leagues, but he's my, he's my number one going into the draft. Let me put it this way. This is a defining pick for the Pittsburgh Pirate organization. Yes, and, and I think that's a very good point that this needs to They can't miss this. This needs to be the Chipper Jones pick for the Pirates. Yeah, and, and again, everything's out there in front of you. I have no problem with them passing on a guy like Leiter. But you have to hit the pick. Right. You cannot miss it. So you better go out and scout these guys. And I'm sure Ben Sherrington is a good GM. He does a good He understands what he needs to be successful. And don't you think a player like Ladder or Kamara Rocker is more of value to a big market franchise that like, I keep thinking that one of them is going to end up with the Mets uh, down at pick 10. It just seems like that would be a good, a better team, you know, a name. Uh, but we'll see. I, I kind of did my own mark, and I had Kamara Rocker going 10th to uh, the Mets. But, you know. I disagree. You think he goes before that? I think if there's a team out there that needs a starting pitcher more than the Red Sox do right now, I haven't seen him. Yeah. A contending team. That's true. If if the if the Red Sox can get Kamara Rock. Now, I understand Kamara Rocker's fallen a little bit from where he was early in the year thought. I get that part. Right. But regardless, he's a frontline pitcher for the for Vandy, for the for the premier baseball program in, the in college. In college. And, and now the only other two, the only other pitcher that's kind of in that conversation is the kid from Texas. And uh, so one of those three would make sense. But yeah, I love the Major League Baseball draft. I, it gets off in the weeds. And after a couple of rounds, you don't know the kids, but you'll learn. What I enjoy the most is it's the first time that I get to sit down in front of the TV and get to actually see most of the high school players, see film, right? hear their bio. Um, you know, I remember. Did you see? Did you see the um, the the skills competition? Uh, part of it. I've got it recorded. Yeah, a really cool thing they did this year um, with bringing that in and incorporating that. I think that that's you know a big part of bringing this young generation into the game is seeing what these next these next superstars um, can do in these agility drills and stuff. So I, I'm I'm excited. I you know. 
college baseball is on fire. Yeah. I mean, on fire, and it's good for the sport altogether. Well, the comp the, the the level of competition is so much better now than what it was even five years ago. Absolutely. Man, this has been a great show, dude. I've enjoyed this show. I mean, I know we always say it, but it's been a great show to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we guys we'll talk football. <laughs> but not this week. Randall's a football <laughs> guy at home. Yeah. <laughs> but this time of year, I, I always feel like this time of year, it's fun to reflect on what's happened. We're halfway through the season. Let's gear up. Let's get on the same page. Um, there's just a ton to talk about. There, it's, These are two of my favorite events of the baseball season, though. The draft, the home yeah. run derby, the futures game. I'll take a little baseball break after this, maybe, and get ready. I've got I've got high school football in five weeks, so yeah, I've got to do some stuff for it. I got a couple of articles that I gotta not articles but blurbs I've got to write. So I usually try to take my last hurrah till September with baseball during the All Star break, and I'll be back in September. Right. It's just you know you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Sometimes you run out of sports time. Actually, you know. So I get it. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I, I desperately, I will be calling you if somehow this thing turns out true that Bubba has just signed this deal with Clemson, waiting on the Braves to draft him so he can sign with the Braves. I'll, I'll be up to pick 22 every uh, middle of the night. I'll be riding it out. So we'll see. Well, I, you know, it's it really is. This next weekend's a lot of fun, so I, I'm I'm looking forward to all of it, and um, you know, I'm going to soak it in. So, um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting weekend, and I, I look for really exciting things starting with the home run derby. Well, ending with the home run derby, really, um, but but the the, the prospects game is going to be fun as well. Um, one quick point before we leave. So. A layer back. I guess there's like a uh, a prospect slash um, college draft pick eligible um, game before the futures game. Did you know about this? Did not. So you know who's playing for that college draft prospect team? No, I know. I didn't even know it existed till right now. So so the projected first round pick, Drew Jones. Is going to be the starting center fielder. Oh, really? For this for this team, uh, they're talking about him being a top twenty prospect next year. I think he was a freshman this year. I can't remember where he's going, um, but but watch that name, Drew Jones. Of course, you'll know his dad, Andrew Jones. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I do know who you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's just really cool to see these things that um, get, you, get you a look at different people. His dad wasn't a bad baseball player. Uh, the other day I sent you a – my buddy was at a tournament and they had two former major leaguers kids out on the field playing at the same time. Yeah. League ball and you're just like – he's like, oh, here's so-and-so kid and here's so-and-so kid. And you just look at him and you go, wow, that's a 12-year-old? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one I'm excited to see play in the Futures game, uh, I get – I really want to see Drew – waters improve he's starting to slide as a prospect and oh i just dis i disagree with that well in the braves rankings i don't know if that's fair that if he's a little of the thunder's gone 
uh, overall, right now, I feel like the Braves baseball organization has a little distaste. Yeah, locally, we're very they're stagnant. Right, it, you know, you go up to Pittsburgh and get just waylaid, waylaid. Yeah. So, uh, looking forward to see Drew Waters. Want to see Bob? I've never seen Bobby Witt. Uh, that's somebody I'm really looking forward to seeing. Right. Um, so there's a lot of guys I've never seen that I'm super, super excited to see. Well, you know, we're going to talk about it more next week. Absolutely. We will share notes next week. All right, bud. All right, guys. Um, until next time, I'm Chappie. I'm RC. You want to plug anything, buddy? One of the guys. Oh, yeah, I do. Get Thanks for reminding me. Our normal Friday night MMA show before UFC is being moved to Saturday. My buddy Andrew is in Oregon with his family. Uh, and this is the biggest UFC of the year. So we wanted to wait till after and some recording in the middle of the night, Friday night. We'll have a special Saturday edition of Fight Night uh, right before, well, not right before, a couple of four hour, five hours before the UFC comes on. At noon, Saturday, you get my final prediction of Conor McGregor versus Poirier, which I've changed four times this week. So, yeah, Saturday at noon. Sounds Thanks good, you buddy. You know I'll be watching some baseball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. On fight night, I, I, I got to split my TV because I love UFC, but I'm usually splitting it until that main bout comes on. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, we took a week off last week, and I'm glad to be back here talking with you this week. So been a great show, man. I, I really I get excited about baseball this time. Yeah. Let let's let's make a date next what next Thursday. I'll see you then. All right, man. Till next time. Thanks, guys. The other angle, Chappie and RC. Check out the other podcasters, iLogic Media. Um, take care. Thanks.